delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.tv, taking a bite out of technology. Hello, a very good day to you. Welcome to episode 505 of the Two Techies for Saturday, May 2nd, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in around an hour or less with Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. Come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse and scrutinise the world of tech. On this week's episode, Apple's second quarter 2020 results. ICANProtects.org And Odeon Russell Feathers with Universal. That's how you know it's been a, a slow news week when we start bringing in cinema news it's kind of it's not technology but it uses technology so it it kind of is well but that's our warrant for it right we can justify it through saying that we're breaking out into a uh, new territory we're going to become movie critics <laughs> there's been no new movies there's been no new nothing no nothing come on that's that's the nice thing though with technology you can talk about anything anything that has technology you know we always joked about knitting Hi, oh, that's, you know, it could be your next topic. I'm sure there are electric knitting machines. No, is that, that I'm going to Google that. This is uh, electric knitting machine. They're electronic knitting machine for sale. Aaron, perfect. We have a new venture. Wow. They're, um, they're not cheap. £6,000. I thought when you were going to say not cheap, it wasn't, well, several cars for that. Oh, that's okay. Here's one for 1000 That's fine. Oh, 750 Right, now we're, see, we're breaking into new territory. We're learning. Hello. Hello. How are we? Bored. <laughs> what of? Just like I think I've said to you before, not a hugely outgoing person, as you as you know, but not being able to go to a coffee shop, not being able to just... I, I hate shopping in every way, shape or form, but I cannot wait to be able to go shopping again. I never knew how much I missed it. Just <laughs> honestly, Amazon have got so much more business from me recently. Mm. Um, I mean, I appreciate in this country, you know, there have been a couple of things like, oh, I'll just pop the Halfords, which is a automotive chain over here. Um, it's like, uh, you know, I needed some... Uh, car detailing stuff and I was like oh I could go to Halfords um, today and get it and it's like eh it kind of feels like I'd be making a mockery of the entire thing I'll just get it on Amazon um, but it's just I can't wait to I can't wait for it to be back to some kind of normality I appreciate we're probably still a way off in this country at least um, but yeah just run out so many well run out of things to do at home just like watched all of Netflix I've watched all of Disney Plus I've just everything how do people keep themselves sane You've completed it. Yeah. Well, well, I haven't heard of a guitar being made in the last few weeks, so I'd, come on, you're slacking. Touche. The interesting thing is, and th- it's difficult times for everyone, and for, for different reasons, it's affecting everyone in different ways. And as, as a nation, as a, as a globe, the, the scary thing is, well, not scary, but I don't mean there's a right time for this to happen. There definitely isn't, and there never will be. But yes, we're living through what, what our society, our generation would consider, um, and any generation probably before us up until World War, World War One and Two potentially the most disruptive period in our nation's history. But if this has happened 15 years ago, can you imagine how different the response would be? How, 
we'd get through it, but it would be so much more difficult, I feel. I think one of the things, and I know a lot of people are saying this, one of the things we need to take out of this is to, I guess, look at a bright side slightly. This has been a fantastic opportunity for the world to realize like the damage we are doing to the world through what we do every day, because we've basically stopped normal life and what we are doing every day. We've realized like how much cleaner the ocean can be, how much cleaner the air can be, um, things like that. It's like I saw, you know, I think like Lewis Hamilton put up a post the other day saying like the world cannot go back to how it was before um you know this is like it's if we take anything away from this it's like how much of an eye-opening experience it has been um mm. and how much the world has in a way improved out of this um i think if we, you know if we've got to look at any bright side it is that we cannot go back to how we were before we cannot just flip a switch flip a switch sorry and resume normal life if that happens and if pollution levels and things like that go just back to where they were before then we have failed as a species this is a fantastic opportunity for everyone to to reevaluate, I think we spoke about this last week with the whole like uh, working from home thing. It's it's been a whole, you know, do we actually need to, to go anywhere? You know, how many jobs can actually be done without so much travel and you know pollution and things like that? Um, so yeah, I think if we're going to take anything from this, and you know, especially from a technology point of view, it does have to be the fact that we've proved that you know stopping certain things and we can do better as a as a species when we all work together and whatnot. Um, I I genuinely think like there are some areas in this world where productivity just kind of like hasn't changed. I think the, you know, from, from the traditional working in an office uh, when when people migrated to working from home, where jobs would allow it, obviously. I fully appreciate there are, you know, huge amounts of the sector that can't work from home. It's like, <laughs> I, Can I, you imagine? Your, your train driver today is working from home. I don't expect policing to be done via, like, Zoom phone calls, um, <laughs> you know, and things like that. But where possible, I think mm. it's taught the world, you know, a good lesson. And I think, like, I, probably productivity in some areas has gone up. I know since I've been working at home i've just got way more done you just don't get into the ro- like there's there's a s- slew of reasons that i think working from home is fantastic but yeah it'll be interesting to see how we uh kind of this time next year two years from now i think it'll be really interesting to see if the world has changed and then in that way how it has changed i think it teaches lessons absolutely i don't think things are going to change when we get back to what 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 is normality then i don't think things are going to go immediately change but i think it's food for thought 100 it, it will make us question things a lot more do we need to be doing that is that necessary is it really that important but it's like um you know how many meetings and, and, and whatnot have been kind of held virtually around the world over yep. this past two months where traditionally let's say someone would fly halfway across the world to meet them or you know travel by car or whatever around it's like how much you know pollution and whatnot does that reduce and you know the carbon footprint and it's like has it actually had any negative impact on those meetings in any way it would be interesting to know that's true i don't think it's going to stop traveling for business going to workplaces but certainly what you say yeah it's true it's going to to make us need to justify it that bit more just not doing it unnecessarily if you look back at that, as I said at the start, if, if this happened even just 15 years ago, it would be such a different experience for everyone. We wouldn't have FaceTime. We wouldn't have video conferencing anywhere near as easily as what we do now. Many of the digital tools we're using to stay connected, fed, or just entertained either didn't exist or were only available to a few number of people. Facebook was one year old, but still an American college phenomenon. Instagram, WhatsApp weren't even thought of. Social media was sort of 
in its very infant stages, if it could even have been called that. And even though many of the people were discovering old friends via what, Friends Reunited or MySpace, it, it wasn't really a thing. YouTube was born that year, wasn't really a thing. Twitter came along the following year. It wasn't until 2007 Apple launched the iPhone, so you weren't using any apps at that point. <laughs> you know, only 8 million households had a broadband connection in 2005. Computers had an access speed of roughly 10 megabits per second. It took about a minute and a half to download an album. Another 7 million homes were still crawling along on dial-up connections. Isn't that crazy that 15 years ago, the technology that we take for granted in this pandemic, and not only in it, in everyday life, forget COVID, but in everyday life, we did not have. The technology we rely on now, we didn't have. I think that's um, partly what you know what I'm or we're getting at when we say yeah. like the, the the productivity probably hasn't changed because in some aspects like we were just able to like not skip a beat. You just changed to, to, to working at home to, to video conferencing to to connecting you know via VPNs all 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 this stuff and it's just it's the technology we, we we've gained in the past 10 15 years that has allowed us to to do all this without yeah like I say skipping a beat exactly. And I think, again, not not trying to take away from the importance of COVID, but if we forget about it for one second and just realize what we've just said. So the technology we didn't have 15 years ago is the only reason why people are, I don't mean coping in that, that sense, but getting on is not easily, but you know what I mean? It's how, how much less friction is being caused in, in getting, you know, how companies are surviving in some respects because of it. And that just shows how exponentially technology grows, how exponentially and quickly technology develops. Crazy to think, crazy to think. This is and has been a week of interesting news. Elon Musk, for starters, not going to justify a story on it, but he is off the rail again, has... Lost all my respect, I think I'll go ahead and say. I, I don't think that's an overstatement. I, I would be happy to say that. As someone who I thought was a, a fine entrepreneur who was an inspiration to a lot of people who wanted to launch their own businesses and showed no barriers and just went for what he wanted to do, to someone now who is just plain and simply a moron, if we could call it that, this week his well, he's made the news for numerous reasons. Number one, Free America Now on Twitter. If if you have, and I don't know how many followers he has, but we're going to find out pretty shortly. If you have, how many, how many, come on, can we get this quickly? It shouldn't be that hard. He has a following of 33 and a half million. It's a bit irresponsible as someone of that clout to just tweet Free America Now when the world is going through the hardest pandemic it has experienced since wartime, and one that is clearly not in any way to be taken lightly. But Elon doesn't feel that. Nope, free American eyeletter businesses resume. He's just not qualified to comment for a start. Doesn't matter what your opinion is. And I don't care whether it was a publicity stunt or whether he's just trying to be funny or whether he meant it. Just irresponsible and stupid. On top of that, he decided that his company's stock was too high and simply tweeted it was too high. And in less than a day, it was down 15%. How? Just on that second one, like this tweet comes, what, six months a year after he made that other ridiculously stupid tweet about taking the company private, which he was fined $20 million for. Like, what has to not connect in your brain to realise that, like, just spouting off on Twitter, not a fantastic idea. Um, there are a reason so many CEOs... Uh, tricky. We, we people, whomever, have always, I guess, been praising Elon. Not really the words I want to use, but it, it's, it's been one of the more interesting sides of him that he doesn't have a filter on Twitter or on social media 
which has obviously bitten him in the backside uh, probably more times it's done any good. Whereas you compare it to other CEOs, you look at how Tim Cook or Satya Nadella or you know Sundar Pichai or any of these people act on on Twitter, and it's like it's clearly just going through PR. Um, it's probably not tweeted by themselves, maybe rarely. Yeah, you know, it's not off the cuff stuff. But those guys and and women aren't getting themselves into trouble every five minutes with what they spout off on Twitter because they are um what's the word for it um sensible human beings um they clearly like their job and they want to keep their company uh, afloat whereas Elon just seems to have complete blatant disregard for for I don't know the valuation of his company half the time it's just ridiculous how he commit like basically commits fraud every other week on Twitter it feels like um I saw a few people saying that this whole you know saying your your company stock price is too high and then inadvertently or advertently wiping 14 billion dollars off the valuation is a great way to commit securities fraud um because he could then buy in at that lower price yeah um something that is obviously very looked down upon around the world but specifically in the states um, I think it's just ridiculous that he gets away with this stuff. Now, I know a, a few people have made connections and there have always been, let's say, bad eggs when it comes to, to people who run companies. Let's not pretend that Steve, the likes of Steve Jobs were an absolute saint. Um, people had very similar things to say about him, but I think Elon Musk just has the uh, the nerve to, to, to do it on in, on a public platform such as Twitter. It's just crazy. I mean, I haven't had respect for him for a long time, ever since he uh, decided to call that British cave diver what he did um like yeah. a year or two ago it's like why would why would anyone say that and how did he get away with saying that like you can't just go around calling people that in a he was being serious i think like mm. i don't know he just like threw a paddy or a tantrum and decided to you know call him a really you know pretty slanderous word yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and it's like just how do people still have respect for someone in his position after that i i appreciate what the likes of spacex you know um just later this month uh spacex have got a launch with NASA. I believe they're going to be taking astronauts into or to the ISS for the first time from American soil in like 10 years. Like that's a huge thing. But it's just you just know Elon is at the helm of these things. And I, I, th- I genuinely think Tesla, SpaceX, all these companies would be just a better place or better run companies without him now. I absolutely because you're talking about security fraud. You're talking about how he has he's essentially a loose cannon. And in 2018, he was fined $20 million because of committing security fraud. And that money was uh, distributed to harmed investors under a quarter-proof scheme. The same year, he, he's, he, you know, he's seen smoking weed on a podcast. He habitually tweets out random and, and damaging things for his company, which you would potentially think in his interest, as you said, potentially buy in Lou. The interesting thing with the tweet that he, he sent this week was coming from, from legal advisors, uh, one who specializes in corporate governance, says that there isn't anything actionable here. His use of IMO puts his statement into the realm of personal opinion for which there is latitude. In other words, freedom of speech, or he wasn't doing anything, wasn't speaking on behalf of the company. So he, <laughs> did he do this knowing fine rightly that he was almost scot-free in saying it if he just put it as a personal opinion? And I, I don't speak on behalf of Tesla. I'm just saying what I feel. But that's irresponsible. And anyone who has money in that company, I certainly know if, I mean, you know, money in other companies myself, if I had money in Tesla, I would be significantly 100% worried right now. I'd be very concerned. I would be doing everything I could to get my money out as soon as possible because you just, how can you trust a company that has someone with such an influence 
but yet who's such such a list cannon, so unpredictable, so irresponsible as well. And the thing is, he is clearly he's not stupid. He's an intelligent person, but just doesn't put it to good use. And and if he did, he'd have such a better effect on on the planet. <laughs> you look how many industries he's tapped into and how many he has potentially changed in some respect. Just a shame. And it's uh, it's just worth mentioning. And, you know, this isn't how someone of, of that caliber should... And I'm not saying there is necessarily a way to conduct yourself, but there are ways that you shouldn't conduct yourself. I think he's, he's past that point. I can't imagine what working in Tesla PR is like at the moment. It's mm. forever just, just fighting fires that your CEO just seems to create every day. Yeah, absolutely. Rant over. Rant over. Uh, before we go to the quick, or sorry, main news, we'll go to the quick news. Speaking of Tesla, the US electric car maker Tesla Inc. has applied for a license to supply electricity in the United Kingdom. This comes from the Telegraph. The purpose of the license from the energy regulator may be to introduce the company's auto bidder platform. Citing a company source, the report said the application did not make clear why Tesla has applied for the license. Autobidder is a platform for automated energy trading and is currently being operated at Tesla's Hornsdale Power Reserve in South Australia. Having built a significant battery business in recent years, the carmaker is now preparing to enter the British market with its technology. The Raspberry Pi Foundation has announced a new camera board that should dramatically improve the photographic capabilities available to the popular DIY computers enthusiasts and hobbyists. It's called High Quality Camera and it's built around a 12.3 megapixel backside illuminated Sony IMX477 sensor with 1.55 micron pixels. There have been official Raspberry Pi camera boards before but they've been much smaller and lower resolution sensors used and relied on fixed focus lenses. High-quality cameras, however, supports interchangeable CNCS mount lenses and offers adjustable back focus as well. The first options to be available through the approved resellers include a $25 6mm CS mount lens and a $50 16mm C mount lens. The board has a CS mount but comes with a C mount adapter. That means it will be easy to attach to a wide variety of lenses through third-party products. The price of ebooks in online stores is being cut immediately after the government brought forward plans to scrap VAT on online publications. The 20% tax was due to be dropped in December, but is taking effect now because of the coronavirus pandemic. It means the cost of an ebook costing £12, for example, should fall to £10. E-newspaper subscriptions could also come down by £25 a year, although the owner of the time said its subscription would remain the same. Chancellor of the Exchequer Rishi Sunak said he wanted to make it as easy as possible for people across the UK to get hold of the books they want while they are staying at home and saving lives. That is why we have fast-tracked plans to scrap VAT on all e-publications, which will make it cheaper for publishers to sell their books, magazines, and newspapers. And finally, Steam will no longer support Steam VR on Mac OS. It's the end of a very short era. Steam introduced Steam VR for Apple computers way back in the mists of time, 2017's Worldwide Developers Conference. As The Verge wrote then, Valve has been working with Apple on this since last summer, which shows a high level of technical and business confidence in Apple's VR efforts. The move was announced in a short post on SteamVR's news page, laid out in a single sentence. 
Quote, Steam VR has ended macOS support, so our team can focus on Windows and Linux. Mac users will still have some access to the feature, however, via legacy builds. Previously, I would have said, hmm, Tesla, UK electricity provider. I think that's a good idea. An innovative business coming in, trying to rustle up a market which does have monopolies in it. No, no, sod off. Thing is, like, the UK electricity market is a really fair market anyway, because... Well, every- especially now, yeah, it, it, it's gotten a lot better in the last well, few years. Definitely. Everyone is just a reseller of the national grid. Like, yeah. you, you can't actually be bad at it, I don't think. But also, oh, I, don't- I, I think you can, but I think the, the, the regulation has... has- Ten, it became tenfold in, 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 in years gone by. I mean, from what I understand, like you have generators. So like around here, um, Western Power, I think, is the generator. They feed into the national grid and then you have resellers, we'll call it. And basically their only duty is to collect the money, essentially, um, and the admin tasks. Like in this country, it, they're re- it's a nationalized system or a nationwide system. Like it, it's not, I don't believe Tesla could come in and kind of like in a, Maybe they could innovate in the generation. I don't know. But it's just, I, I think it's less interesting at the moment than the headline may you know, lead us to uh, lead us mm. to believe. But I think it would be cool. I think as much as we or I just slated Tesla, I, I still think it would be very interesting. There's some interesting things you could do with kind of the, the smart side of it. If every house or if I, let's say a whole town had a Tesla solar wall or wall solar things, whatever they call it, the battery packs on the wall that Tesla do, um, that it could store energy. But if it knows that actually I, I've, I've, you know, this battery pack has three kilowatts of energy in it, but I know overnight that this house is only going to use two kilowatts, then it could feed a kilowatt back into the grid and you could you could get paid for that type of thing. Um, I think it would be really interesting to see if, if they have any ideas when it comes to that. I don't hold out hope, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. Raspberry Pi paving the way yet again. I just, every time you think, well, they've, they've made the perfect product and that's really all they can do. They do something more, something really ingenious. And 12 megapixel camera, interchangeable lenses, and different mount lenses available. Really, really cool. Raspberry Pi has just been that 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 thing that just gets better. And and it never really reaches a point at which it gets so big it turns bad. You, do you get what I mean? You know, it gets so big it, it takes advantage of that. No, you know, crazy. Ebook VAT. I, I never really understood why VIT was charging ebooks in the first place. It felt like a tax for the sake of taxing, right? Ah, I see you too have uh, been a member of the United Kingdom. <laughs> um, yes, tax for the sake of tax is what we do best. 20% for what, exactly? But, fair enough, government have scrapped it. They've brought it forward, um, given the fact that more people are having to stay at home and you know, will want to purchase ebooks and a bit of an incentive to do so. E-newspaper subscriptions could come down as well, but the owner of the Times said that their subscription will remain the same. So are they increasing the overall cost to account for the tax which people were paying? Well, I assume if you paid £10, then that had £2 of tax in it, um, and the Times only saw £8 of that. I assume you're still paying £10, but the Times are now seeing £10 of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The annoying thing is I'm pretty sure this doesn't cover audiobooks, which is quite irritating. Um, <laughs> as a big fan of audiobooks over ebooks myself, it would be nice to uh, not have to pay VAT on that because it falls under exactly the same category, but alas. The, uh, the last story, I'm not a gamer. I don't really invest very much in the industry or the market. I don't 
pay too much attention, only what I need to for the show, but I have a theory here. Could be right, could be wrong. Steam ends Mac support for Steam VR. They they spent a significant amount of time working on it with Apple. It was announced in 2017. And now, just three years later, they're saying, not anymore. It could be two things. It could be that Apple completely lost focus or direction on it and just dropped attention and Steam said, well, if you're not doing something for it, we're not. And I don't ultimately think Steam got a lot out of it because gaming on the Mac isn't, or at least wasn't the biggest market to begin with. It has probably increased because Apple have paid more attention to it. I, I say that in this terms. But financially, I don't think it would have done Steam a lot of good. You know, it wouldn't have got a lot from it, especially what they probably put into it. But did Apple lose focus here? Or did Apple turn around and say, actually, we're going to do our own thing? The doing your own thing is an interesting take. Um, I remember when they, they first spoke about this. I think people have to remember that for Apple, Apple, the Apple platform, it has always been less about running like actually playing the games in vr on the platform because when i first read this post the comments are just filled with apple has never been a gaming platform it's like yes i think apple will be the first to admit that but what apple wanted to capture is the people wanting to make the games for vr apple have always wanted to be the platform where creators live and with VR becoming such a popular thing or seemingly becoming such a popular thing, I think it's leveled out slightly. Um, but back in 2017, become, becoming you know a huge trajectory, I think they wanted to start capturing that market and it felt like a good idea at the time. Obviously, a lot has happened. Um, Apple have kind of tweaked their pro lineup in, since uh, when they announced it back in 2017. The iMac Pro was literally around the corner and the Mac Pro was still another three years away. So I think Apple have just like refocused their pro hardware i think they're back to gaming i think even making games is just not worth their time um i think they were, they were always just going to lose out to the windows platform there and for steam and for valve it 100 percent makes sense to people don't buy a vr headset for their mac people buy a vr headset for their windows pc so but yeah the uh, the whole idea of maybe it's because apple are working on something is interesting um we've heard a number of rumors probably for like the last 10 years that apple are working on some kind of glasses technology we tend to put it in the same category as apple are also working on a car you know it's the rumor that never seems to disappear but yeah we have no solid proof of type <laughs> thing um i think it's because people want apple to be making a car rather than whether they are or not or whether there's any solid evidence i like to believe that all these car rumors and whatnot have just come out of the apple have cars modified to do their mapping you Mm. do see apple cars they're obviously just um toyotas or whatever with an apple badge on the side but uh, and they're out mapping for apple maps i like to believe it's just a whole like miscommunication and that's that's all (laughs) an apple car is but um i think some kind of glasses tech would be really interesting it's a bit out there for apple but on the flip side we called it pretty out there when google did something similar um it's not it's not a great technology at the moment it's not a no a hyped up technology We've got, we're just off the back of Microsoft trying with the likes of HoloLens. Obviously, Google have like tried two or three times with Google Glass. Like, I just don't think people are interested yet. Um, maybe it takes a company like Apple to make it fashionable. Um, look at things like the smartwatch. The smartwatch was a bit gimmicky before Apple came along and basically made it a fashion accessory. And then it sold like hotcakes. It just seems to be what Apple does. Um, it's going to co- come across super fanboyish, but I think you can go back through Apple's history and, and see companies that 
that have tried and failed before them, things like the tablet, the smartphone, the iPod, um, or the MP3 player, I should say, before Apple have come along and basically turned it into a fashion accessory that sells like hotcakes. It may not be the best in every area, um, but it's functional and it looks good, um, which are two big selling points. Maybe Apple do something similar with the glasses platform. Just the word Sherlocking comes to mind. Apple take on the technology with someone else, see what it's capable of, what they can do with it, and then decide, then we'll do our own thing, <laughs> you know? But who knows? Who really knows the, the real answer? Either way, the support's being dropped. There will be legacy support, but I doubt it will be very prosperous, considering that, in my view, I could be wrong, VR is still in an infancy stage compared to what it could or can do going forward, especially on the Mac. Speaking of Apple, their Q2 2020 results, $11.2 billion profit, $58.3 billion revenue. An all-time record for their services revenue, that is. They announced their financial results for the second fiscal quarter of 2020 on Thursday. It responds to the first calendar quarter of the year. For the quarter, Apple posted revenue of $58.3 billion, net quarterly profit of $11.2 billion, or $2.55 per diluted share, compared to recent revenue of $58.0 billion and net quarterly profit of $11.6 billion, which resulted in $2.46 per share. So their profit's down slightly, and I, I mean slightly, and revenue's up. Gross margin for the quarter was 38.4% compared to 37.6% in the year ago quarter, with international sales accounting for 62% of that revenue. They also declared an increased quarterly dividend payment of $0.82 cents per share, up from $0.77 cents payable on May the 14th to shareholders of record as of May the 11th. Basically, uh, the world goes to absolute poop and Apple carry on like nothing ever happened. It's mm. <laughs> crazy, how, isn't it? How, how, how do they do it? I want to know, what is the secret? Tim Cook, what is your secret? It's just, I appreciate they didn't hit targets. They still made more revenue than last year, but less profit. But it's like, it's like nothing happened. <laughs> it's just, just nuts that tech companies just don't seem to be that phased by this. I think it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, how technology is like the one thing that just seems to be able to push through all kinds of uh, global crisis, whether it be economic crisis or pandemic or whatever it is. Technology is the one sector that for various reasons can just push through and, and almost carry on like nothing has ever happened. It's um, it's a shame that obviously we're a couple of years out now or removed from not getting the specific numbers. I appreciate we still get the, the value breakdown between divisions within Apple, but it was always nice to know how many iPhones or how many iPads they sold. Um, because looking at the graph, it's like the iPad is just not doing well. Um, just seems to be selling less and less, but the iPhone's still, you know, absolutely rocketing. Yeah. Hard wearables, you, you can see wearables expanding for them as well. Yeah. Services I, is growing. I was just about to say services, that big one, but it's hardly a surprise in a quarter where most people will have been at home. Mm. Buying an iPhone is probably uh, less at the top of people's minds than buying a bunch of movies on iTunes. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. What's, what's also interesting, and augurs up with what we already know, iPod net sales diminishing even more so. And Well, they have diminished, but it's actually too small in the graph to see whether it's any, any worse or not. Mac net sales is just very consistent. I think that paints a perfect picture for Apple. It's crazy that this company, you go back 10... 12 years 
And that graph would have been dominated by the iPod and the Mac. Yep. Um, but here we are. It's the uh, mobile division. It just shows how much of a big impact services, the phone, the tablet, wearables, things like the watch and, and whatnot are having. Um, I'm glad to see the Mac just trucking along, not mm. going up or going down, just doing what it does best. Um, yeah. I think that could genuinely, if we say it time and time again, if Apple paid more attention to the Mac or if we were at least even half consistent with the Mac, um, then I think they could get that on a little bit of an upward trend because I don't think less people are buying PCs and laptops. I just think the Apple, for the last three, four years, Apple have just priced the Mac out of the reach of so many more people. It just became an even more of an elitist purchase, which is the horrible kind of category for it to be in because you weren't even getting that much for it. Um, it's not until the past couple of months where things like the MacBook Air came back under $1,000 and whatnot and it started to feel accessible again to a, to a lot more people. Um, Apple will always have a hard time driving Mac sales when people can go out and buy an equivalent, if not better, machine albeit running Windows, for half, a quarter, a third of the price, whatever it is. Um, the iPhone lives in so much more of a competitive market where things are priced so similarly that people choose kind of product over price at that point, I think. Um, especially now with the SE, it'll be really interesting to see how the next quarterly results pan out. Obviously, there's always going to be that little asterisk that it is during the pandemic, um, but it will be interesting to see if the SE kind of helps rocket iPhone sales slightly. Apple in mid-February already said they were not going to meet their previous guidance of 63 to 67 billion in revenue for March. And of course, that was put down largely to COVID-19, which in at that time was largely reflected because they had a, a large number of production and demand issues in China. They didn't issue revised guidance and obviously the, the epidemic very quickly spread around the world, which gave Apple further challenges, such as closed retail stores. They told most of their employees to work from home and there were just consumer demand for many of their products in their predictions and their forecasts. But they say, despite, and this comes from Tim Cook, despite COVID's unprecedented global impact, we're proud to report that Apple grew for the quarter, driven by an all-time record in services and a quarterly record for wearables. In this difficult environment, our users are depending on Apple products in renewed ways to stay connected, informed, creative and productive. We feel motivated and inspired not only to keep meeting these needs in innovative ways, but to continue giving back to support the global response from the tens of millions of face masks and custom-built face shields we've sent to medical professionals around the world to the millions we've donated to organisations like Global Citizen and America's Food Fund. They didn't offer guidance a third quarter of fiscal 2020, which I think is fair enough at this point. Very difficult to predict what way this is going to go because not only do they know what, what they, they don't know what the demand is going to be, but they also don't know whether or not they're going to be able to supply or or continue producing production of new products to come. They don't know if, if lockdown in in certain countries is going to be. It it really is just up in the open. But I I feel confident. I think you know they they have plenty. They've well the, the richest company in the world. They have plenty of cash reserves. They have nothing to worry about in that respect. But it could just slow down their growth for this year. I don't think long term it's going to have. Yeah, in this time period, yes, long term, 
I don't think it's going to have too much of an effect for them. I think this is such a testament to how well run and well oiled that company is. Yeah. I think maybe, or I, I know people like to bash on and, and say that Tim Cook isn't a, a, a great leader or isn't that innovative or whatever they want to come up with this week. But man, the numbers don't lie. This is a company that can just absolutely churn through revenue and profit. Again, given what's going on, it is absolutely impressive, obviously. Assume over the coming weeks, we'll start to see a few more numbers come in from a few uh, a few more companies. It'll be interesting to see how the likes of Google and Microsoft um, and other companies like Intel, like actual manufacturing companies. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they come out of this. The 23% wearables growth is just fascinating to me. Um, services, like I say, during this time period, more and more people just at home buying things online, uh, movies, TV shows, signing up to TV plus, whatever it is, um, hardly comes as a surprise. I think wearables is an interesting one. Like, is there a reason behind it? Is it the one hour of exercise everyone is allowed, allowed every day? Everyone's taking advantage of that <laughs> and getting an Apple Watch? Well, yeah, yeah. What is it? You know, I, I'd love to know. Crazy. Crazy. But encouraging. And for anyone, any investors, any shareholders, stakeholders, or someone just interested in Apple, I think it yet again proves that they're a company that are very stable, very buoyant, and short-term instability will not cause long-term problems for them because they have accounted for that. They have a plan going forward. I can have said they are voting down the controversial .org sale proposal. It's it's a pretty monumental point, actually, in my opinion, for a domain which has really, I don't know, it's pivotal, really, in non-profits. They've rejected a proposal to transfer the management of .org top-level domain from a non-profit to a private equity group. I can said it wouldn't approve the sale of it because it would create unacceptable uncertainty for the domain, citing concerns about debt and the intentions of the for-profit firm Ethos Capital. ICANN's board said the sale would have given up the current focus of PIR in favour of an entity that is bound to serve the interests of its corporate stakeholders and which has no meaningful plan to protect or serve the .org community. Noted that the sale would leave PIR with a $360 million debt that could destabilise its operation in the future. PIR was founded by the Internet Society, or ISOC, to handle the .org domain in 2003. In late 2019, ISOC announced it would transfer control of .org to Ethos in exchange for a $1 billion endowment. The move immediately drew criticism from advocacy groups like Electronic Frontier Foundation, as well as some original members of ICON, ICANN, sorry, including its first chair, Esther Dyson. Opponents took issue with the prospect of an equity firm managing non-profit domains, despite promises that it wouldn't implement price hikes or act as a censor. In this decision, ICANN described seeing significant opposition to the deal from politicians and organisations and virtually no counterbalancing support from anyone except the parties involved and their inv- advisors. And I think that's absolutely right. I agree. I, I, I love the fact that there is, is so much opposition to something and so much protection as well, because it is the case that a lot of the time money speaks volumes and money wins the way. In this, this case, it hasn't. And that entity has been protected for a bit longer at least. Why would any other private company want to hold or have a top-level domain like that for any other reason than to make profit? I can't think of any good reason. Exactly. The .org is one of the, let's say, the most precious domains. It is the one used by, as you say, non-profit scientific communities, that type of thing. Um, it needs to be protected. It doesn't need to have its prices hiked all of a sudden. Like As soon as it goes into to private ownership, and, and especially to a, to a for-profit, uh, I guess, like capital investment firm or whatever they are, yeah. it immediately becomes completely uncertain. The, whatever the price this year may not be the price next year. 
um, and all things like that. In light of everything that's happening at the moment, in light of seemingly every type of uh, sale like this or battle like this being lost, this was a little bit of light and I felt it definitely should be included. Like it's some positive news uh, in tech with, with all that's going on at the moment. Um, it just, I can't believe that it took a year to come to the decision that actually no one wanted this there. They're not wrong when they say it was completely met by people going, what the hell? Um, the only people that actually wanted it to happen were the people involved, where the, uh, where the money changed sides. Um, but yeah, this is a good move. Glad it happened. Glad they all saw their senses. Not something I think any of us really saw coming. Um, no. I, think, I think we all just expected it to, to go ahead because welcome to 2020 where money talks. Um, but yeah, great move. Good to see .org staying within the remit of ICANN. As the EIF, EFF said, it's a major victory for millions of nonprofits, civil society organizations, and individuals who make .org their home online. A group of lawmakers, including Sands, Ron Wyden, Elizabeth Warren, and Edward Markey, as well as Rep. Anna Escher, also commended the choice. Quote, this deal would have saddled the .org registry with hundreds of millions of dollars of debt, putting it in an unstable position during this cur- current economic crisis, solely to enrich a private equity firm at the expense of users and non-profits. I really, theoretically and fundamentally, I saw, and I do see no beneficial reason for it to be handed over to a private equity firm. None whatsoever. It doesn't in any way benefit anyone, as has been stated, but the company that buys it. I just don't understand why it was ever, I mean, it wasn't, no one ever said this was a good idea, bar the the ones who wanted to buy it, but did they ever think they were going to get it? Maybe so. Maybe they realised the fact that, as you said, Aaron, money talks, money's the reason why. But clearly in this case, it's been protected. And your domain will stay safe, Aaron, I think. You have a .org, don't you? I You're do your not. .net. I was going to say, I am not a, a charity <laughs> or a scientific... Last time I checked... I mean, I can be a charity if you want to give me some money, but <laughs> last time I checked... Sorry, that was a complete blunder my part. I, I associate .net and .org kind of in the same boat because... They're older domains. Sorry, Art, I said it. .co. You have a .co. Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, never mind. I certainly don't have either, so I can't say anything. The, um, I love the old school domains. I don't know if .com or .net is older. .net is like 19, 1985, according to here. I wonder if I can see when .com is. Please hold caller. <laughs> dot com was 1985 as well so they were the same year dot com was the same as dot org yep dot org was 1985 these all i assume these are all like when it was invented these were the uh, top level domains that were all created um assume things like dot uk yeah dot uk same year um there are only a handful a handful of new ones there are a lot of newer ones things like dot co is newer it's only like five or six years newer dot co is actually a lot older than people think um obviously dot co is originally a country who would it be for Colombia? I think. Um, but it's .co became like super popular like five or six years ago. But it's actually like twenty or thirty years old, I think. Uh, but you can get a top level domain in like anything now. Um, I think you can have like I don't know .game and things like that. Um, if you go onto any domain registrar, there are just a crazy number of brand new uh, TLDs. I don't know if they like eased restrictions or something, but uh, but yeah. Always good in times of greed and gluttony, especially in this industry. It's it's good to see that something, some sort of integrity remains. Speaking of greed, <laughs> I was just about to say. Speaking of integrity, speaking of greed, speaking of problems, Odeon have banned all Universal Pictures films as the studio skips cinema releases. They've banned screenings of all films from the Fast and Furious maker Universal Pictures after the studio said it would break with tradition and skip releasing some films in cinemas, instead making them directly available on streaming and on demand. 
services. Adam Aaron, the chief executive of AMC Theatres, the world's largest cinema chain operator and owner of Odeon, said the ban would apply to its 1,000 outlets worldwide when they reopened after the coronavirus lockdown. The bitter row follows comments made by NBC Universal trumpeting the success of the Trolls World Tour film. The company controls the Hollywood studio and is owned by Sky's parent company, Comcast. I see a problem here because movie studios must release things to to keep money coming in. Otherwise, they're not going to get any new revenue streams. And if they don't get any new revenue streams, they're not going to be around anyway to release films to the cinemas once this all ends and the cinemas aren't going to have any movies to play. Maybe that's a really, that, that that's a very simplistic viewpoint of it. I get there are other royalties coming in and other money streams and income sources and so on and so forth. I, I get that. But in layman's terms, they're just trying to keep themselves alive in one respect. I, I guarantee you if the cinemas could turn it around and do something to benefit themselves and not benefit the movie studio, they would 100% do it. I find it interesting here because there's two things to take out of this. Universal didn't say all movies. They said some movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, things like Fast and Furious, like a huge franchise, probably still going to go to the cinema. But um, the interesting thing was, um, so the Trolls World Tour film, it says the DreamWorks made animated film is the most high profile of a series of titles the Universal Pictures intended for cinema release, but instead went straight to filming. The film, which was released three weeks ago, has reportedly generated $100 million as a premium video on demand title. Priced at $20 with 5 million rentals on services such as Apple TV and Amazon Prime Video. Obviously, Universal get a greater cut of revenue from streaming services than cinema box office, which means the film has made it the same amount of money as the first Trolls film did during the entire run in US cinemas. So, you can see why Universal all of a sudden went, hmm, maybe we don't need cinemas anymore. Obviously, tricky at the moment because more people are going to purchase a film as a video on demand because they have no choice. If you want to see it, it's not like you can can go to the cinema and watch it. Um, obviously all cinemas or most cinemas are close for obvious reasons at the moment the cinema is not a great experience anymore the cinema is actually a pretty dreadful experience for watching a movie I will quite happily wait 8 or 9 months for a video to come out on iTunes or on Amazon and buy it and watch it then Um, I've done that for so many of movies that I would traditionally see in cinemas as of the recent number of years like Ford vs Ferrari or Le Mans 66 in this country great movie really wanted to go see it had no interest in spending a lot of money and sitting through the dreadful cinema experience the same with like Toy Story 4 and whatnot um I just don't get this as a move from AMC and uh, slash Odeon um it's like you're an industry that's really struggling anyway um you're an industry that is forever like jacking up the prices of food and drink just to kind of cover costs but yet here you are cutting off your nose just to spite your face it just doesn't make any sense yeah, they're they're basically putting a big sticky plaster over what they can at the minute. It doesn't make it doesn't matter right now what they are or not showing because they can't show anything. And when this all ends, they're going to potentially have to backtrack at some stage. I think I read from a critic, quite a highly acclaimed critic, didn't get the name, but essentially saying that this will boil over and one will have to give in at some point because Universal are one of the well, they are one of the biggest movie studios in the world. And why so, would, why would they give up? They've just released a movie that's made more money in three weeks than their last massive film, by the way. It's not highlighted. Yeah, the Trolls is a huge film. Um, they've just made more money in three weeks off of doing it purely on video on demand than the entire cinema run did for the last film. It's like Universal just sitting here looking at the numbers going, it doesn't make any sense to, to release every film to cinema. Obviously, some films will still go to 
cinema. I imagine film franchises such as uh, Fast and Furious, where you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, if not maybe billions of dollars in cinema revenue or box office revenue, then yes, they will go to the cinema. And by banning everything, the only people that are losing out there will be the cinemas. Because if Universal put Fast and Furious 9 on, I don't know, you know, Apple TV and Amazon Prime or whatever, they're going to make a bucket load of money anyway. So they're not really going to be the losers of that situation. Funny, I... <laughs> funny that I'm just thinking about this and because you're, you're basically saying that, right, well, if, if the movie you want to see isn't in the cinemas, you're going to watch it at home anyway, which I would agree with. I don't go to the cinema very often to to then choose what I'm going to watch. I, I choose what I'm going to watch and then I go to the cinema. And I had a conversation with actually a cinema owner. I'm not going to name it because it wasn't, you know, but, but the point he made was from, from two different markets... And it wasn't over this. It was a good good while ago, six six months ago or so. But the discussion we had, but in the markets, because we were talking about streaming and the effects which the likes of Netflix and Hulu and Prime Video and so on and so forth have on cinemas. For a UK market, it does have an effect because people decide what they want to watch and then go to the cinema. They use the cinema to watch the movies they want to watch. In America, however, the cinema is more of a social gathering and going out, you you go on a date or you go out with your family or your friends. You say, we're going to the cinema tonight. And once you get to the cinema, you then say, I want to watch that. Or, well, we could watch that. The cinema is a staple of going out it's like going out for dinner or you know you don't some people do read the menu in the the restaurant before they get there but you do you know what i mean they they go to the restaurant they get the menu and then they decide what they're going to eat somewhat similar you go to the movies you then decide well that looks good to me tonight we should watch that that's quite interesting actually so it could have different effects in different different countries and different markets right if that is the case if that is true to the word 100 percent. and and maybe the the the, the, the cinemas don't quite get that i don't know i'm sure they do get their markets and i'm sure they do understand that but seemingly somewhere someone has made a bad decision this is just the this is the thing that always seems to happen in 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 tech and whatnot we see all the time it someone's gonna have a massive overreaction just to get a reaction out of someone else like this stuff will go back to normal at some point i imagine um one of them as the article says one of them is gonna um break or bend i guess to, to the other one's will like it, this is just the let's do something extreme to get everyone's attention type thing um i i just don't get why it's it's not like universal said all films they're like some films i imagine like the less or the lesser kind of hyped up or anticipated films, the non-fast and furious type films, just mind blowing. Absolutely sad. It's it's not good. You know, you don't as you said, cutting the nose to spite the face. But it will blow over. You'll be going back to the audience soon to watch a Universal movie. I'm sure of it. I can't predict the future, but I think you know that <laughs> there's no real other outcome here, is there? I mean, I hate going to the cinema anyway, so I'm quite happy for <laughs> to go to. Uh, Honestly, who wants to sit there? Like, it's just, every time you sit there, all I can hear is, like, people who are clearly trying to be quiet with their packet of crisps or sweets or whatever, but it's like, by trying to be quiet, you're making about eight times as much noise than just being quick. Um, It's like, I don't want to hear you eating popcorn. I don't want to hear you eating, because just shut up, everyone. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I can just just imagine you in a cinema setting, Aaron. I'm a social butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Deep down underneath, you're 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 easy to get on with, right? And you're saying nothing. That does it for episode five hundred and five. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us, as you hopefully do 
every week. Join us next week for more episodes. Until then, you can find other episodes at munchtech.tv. You can download our mobile apps, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile, if you're listening on the go for our newsletter, munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter, the ultimate guide to podcasting, available in ebook, munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide. You can also buy a printed copy. And last but not least, our interview with Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, computing pioneer and engineering genius, munchtech.tv forward slash was that does it as again for 505 see you next time same place same time next week for 506 until then stay safe stay sensible and have a good one bye-bye bye-bye